0: All right, Mark chapter 11 is where we're at this morning. Mark chapter 11, we're going to be looking at verses 20 through 25 in detail. We're going to start in verse 12 to get the context of the passage. Uh, We've been in the gospel of Mark for a long time, probably about another month or so. And then we'll be moving on to something different. But Mark chapter 11 is where we're at today. And we're going to be talking about prayer. This is a passage that often is misunderstood, I think often misapplied. And so we're going to work hard today to uh, be specific about what is Jesus saying here and what is not Jesus saying. And so try to, try to be very clear about what, what specifically Jesus is teaching us. So we're going to begin reading in verse 12. And you can follow along in their Bibles so or it should be up on the screen. On the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house should be called the house of prayer for all the nations, and you have made it a den of robbers? The chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered by its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look. Father in heaven, we we thank you for the power of God, the power for impossible situations, the power to change our hearts, to give us all that we need. Lord, thank you for the gift of prayer by which we can access this power. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us today how to pray. Pray that by your Holy Spirit, you'd reveal and open our eyes and help us to see um, how we might pray effectively, how we might be changed by your spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. What's the deal with this tree? Is uh, Jesus against trees? He a tree hater? You know, killing trees just because they don't produce figs when he's hungry. Uh, what's going on here? Um, just just by reading it, you might think that Jesus is kind of like that those people in the Snickers commercial that when they they're hungry, they get a little loopy or whatever, or a little angry. You know, and he's hungry for figs. He goes to the tree. There's no figs on the tree. He curses the tree. They walk by the next day. The thing is dead. Not only is it dead, but it's withered all the way to the roots. Okay. So what is going on here? Well, let, let me take just a brief moment to try to explain a little bit. Jesus is—it is, has nothing to do with trees, okay? Nothing to do with really figs. Uh, if you'll notice two important facts here. In verse 13, it says it wasn't the season for figs, okay? It's not even the season for figs. Uh, and then in, in, in verse 14... The last phrase says, and his disciples heard it. What Jesus is doing here is what the prophets in the Old Testament did very often. They would pronounce judgment. They would make a proclamation from God about Israel, about the people of God. And then they would do some physical sign to kind of be an illustration of what God was doing. Okay, So Jesus is acting in a prophetic role here. And basically... The, the, the picture is, you've got a tree, all kinds of leaves. You expect life on it. You expect fruit on it. And you get up there and there's nothing, okay? Notice where Jesus goes immediately after he curses the fig tree. He goes to the temple, okay? What should you expect to find in the temple? You should expect to find prayer, God, worshipers, evangelism, right? Love of God, love of name. You should expect worship, okay? What does he find? He finds a bunch of guys making a buck, okay? That's what he finds. And remember, he drives them out. So it's, it's, it's a picture. the fig tree is a picture of israel it's a picture of of jesus christ coming incarnate god coming as a man coming to the world expecting to find faith expecting to find fruit expecting to find changed lives and and there's nothing nothing but leaves okay nothing but the the appearance of life but there is no life and so jesus is cursing he is he's making a judgment upon israel okay that's what's happening with the fig tree are we all good with that we okay there okay now where I want to get to is down here in verse 20. As they go back by the tree, verse 21, Peter is like, wow, Jesus, man, you, you, you curse the thing. It's dead. It's withered from the roots. So Jesus is, or Peter's really impressed with what Jesus has done here. And Jesus begins to teach them about prayer. Basically what Jesus says here is, you think that's impressive. Let me tell you what. There is all the power in the universe available to you, available for you, available for your benefit, and accessible through prayer. Okay, Jesus said, you think that power, the power to curse a tree and it dies, you think that's, that's cool? You think that's powerful? You think that's awesome? Well, let me tell you, the power to take a mountain and throw it into a sea, that's available to you through prayer. Now, where, again... Very confusing analogy, okay? A lot of people get mixed up with this analogy. A lot of people read this and here's what they're thinking in their mind. They're thinking, what Jesus is saying is, any kind of cool thing I want, man, if I just believe it hard enough, you know, it's kind of of this thing. It's kind of a religion like this. You know, if I just believe it hard enough, whatever I want. Okay, whatever I, whatever silly thing, circus trick, whatever I want, is going to happen. No, that's not what Jesus is saying, okay? He, he's not encouraging us to pray that Pike's Peak would be thrown in the Gulf of Mexico, okay? That, that, this, Jesus is not saying, hey, try this out. See if you can do it. See if you got enough faith. He's not saying that at all. You know why? He doesn't want Pike's Peak in the Gulf of Mexico. If he wanted Pike's Peak in the Gulf of Mexico, he would have put it there to begin with, okay? And not only that, but to ask for it would be a really silly thing because it would be very catastrophic, right? Pikes Peak is around 14,000 foot at the base of Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs is 6,000 foot. That's 8,000 foot of mountain. You got to figure about 10 10 miles by 10 miles to encompass the base of the mountain, okay? That's a lot of dirt, okay? You hurl that thing into the Gulf of Mexico, and all of Texas is going to be underwater, okay? Massive destruction. I know a lot of you are thinking, man, I'm going to pray that, you know? But listen, that's mean, okay? It's going to take out Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana. I mean, maybe up even into Oklahoma, okay? So the, the... the point is not ask for silly things, okay? Jesus' point is all the power in the universe, all the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, all the power of God Almighty is available to you for your impossible situations. That's what that's what a mountain cast into a sea represents, an impossible situation in your life. You got one of those? You got a situation in your life that just seems insurmountable, just seems impossible, just seems too big for you, just seems to to be overwhelming okay jesus is saying come ask ask god for what you need. At the power of God is available through prayer. The power to save sinners from hell. The power to bring repentance to hard hearts. The power to free you from anxiety and worry and fret. To change your heart. To change your mind. To provide for you. To secure jobs and and and, and, and groceries. The power to give testimony at work. The power not to sin. Not to look at pornography. Not to be angry. Not to be unforgiving. The power to heal. The power for, for godly spouses and chains of addictions and all, all everything you need is available in the Lord God through this incredible gift of prayer. Okay, now let me ask you a question. You know, do, do you think of prayer in line with what Jesus just told us? Okay, basically what Jesus said is, you know, how, how powerful is prayer? Well, it's powerful enough to to scoop up Pike's Peak and throw it off South Padre. Okay, that's how power. That's how much. Power is in prayer, okay? Is, is that, that's what I just want to ask. Is that the way that you look at it? Is that the way that you approach God in prayer? Just knowing that that's the kind of power that's available in prayer. Uh, sh- ashamedly, I think a lot of us do not. I, I think a lot of us don't treat prayer. As we ought to treat it, you know, it's almost like you got a thoroughbred racehorse that could run the Kentucky Derby and all you do is walk it around, you know, it's almost like you got a Ferrari and all you do is keep it under 30, you know, so, so, so you don't, you don't, you don't hurt it, you know, so it's almost like you got a Learjet and and all you do is taxi it out in, in Woodward's runway, you know, you never take it up in the air, okay, for a lot of folks, they've been given this incredible gift of prayer. And then they, they, they don't use it, they don't engage it, they don't, they don't come to God. There's no excitement in their heart to come and ask for the great things of God that we desperately need. And in fact, so many times, Charles Spurgeon was a guy that's really convicted me of, of a lot of things in my own prayer life. And one of the things he asked, he said one time that, that I read, he said, man, most people don't ever ask for anything specific. They, they don't ask for great things. They don't ask for specific things. And when you think about it, a lot of our prayers are really generally not asking for anything. It's very possible to pray, to go through prayer, and to ask for good things, not bad things, and have a good heart about it. But you know what? What if, what if our prayers, what if all of our prayers just sound like this? God, thank you for the day that you've given us. Please bless our day. Lord, lead and guide us and direct us. And the uh, and Lord bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Amen. What have we asked for specifically? What, what specifically have we gone to God and harnessed the power of the Almighty to do in our lives? What, what, have, we, what have we asked for? I'm not sure. Now, maybe you, maybe, to be in all fairness, maybe you've got things in your mind. When you say, bless this day, man, maybe you're thinking, you know, God, give me power to witness to my friend at work. God, give me, give me strength to love my wife as Christ loved the church. God, give me, I mean, maybe you got things in your mind. But honestly, I've prayed those things before. I didn't have nothing in mind, you know? I mean, bless the day, you know, lead God direct. I wonder why we have to have three words for that. Lead God direct, you know? I don't know. You know, I'm just thinking about stuff we pray. Are we asking for anything? Or are we just going through the motions of prayer? Are we just going through the ritual of prayer? And Jesus is almost calling us here. He's he's, he's urging us, tap into the power of God Almighty in prayer. And this is not a magic formula. Don't think of it that way. One of the things that really discouraged me a couple of years ago was there's a great passage in the Old Testament called the Prayer of Jabez. You ever, you ever read that? I mean, it's a, it's a great passage. But you know what people started doing with that thing? They started almost acting like it was a magical incantation, you know? They almost kind of made it a spell, you know? I'm, I'm gonna repeat these words and, enough, and then all of a sudden, you know, you know, leprechauns are gonna appear in the the rainbow and there's gonna be the gold. You know, no, no, that's that's not the way prayer works. That's not what Jesus is calling us to do in prayer. Jesus is calling us to come to him first of all. Here we go. First of all, to come to him in faith and confidence. Okay? Notice a couple of things. Verse 22. The first four words where Jesus said, Jesus answered them saying, Have faith in God. Okay, that 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 phrase Umbrellas. this whole passage, okay? Have faith in God. And then notice what he says in verse 24. Therefore, I will tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours, okay? Have faith in God. Have confidence in what you pray. Now, what exactly does that mean? First of all, what it does not mean is that God is some kind of pushover. And if I, and if I say it right and say it enough and say it loud enough, that I can change the will of God, okay? It's not saying that God's will is this, okay? God's will for me is that I be five foot, eight inches tall. But my golly, if I just get in there and say, God, I don't want to be that. I want to be six three. you know, and I'm going to pray it, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to just... Yeah! Bam, six three, you know? Okay, listen, a lot of people look at it that way. That's not what he's saying. First of all, I don't want to change God's will. Do you want to change God's will? I happen to believe he knows what he's doing here, and I don't, okay? And I've got abundant evidence to prove that I don't know what I'm doing, all right? So I, I'd rather God get his way. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, listen to this, listen to this. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10 Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my person purpose. Listen, God is going to accomplish his purpose. God's got a plan in this world. God is directing all of this to one particular end and it's going to happen, okay? And our job, is twofold, okay? Number one, figure out what is God's plan for me, okay? A whole bunch of that is pretty clear. Open up this book and read it a bunch and you will find out what God's plan for you is, okay? What's God's plan for you? Man, there's a thousand things in here, isn't there? You know, God's plan is that you be gentle. God's plans that you be forgiving. God's plan that you be courageous. God's plan that you love his word. God's plan that you not worship idols. I mean, on and on and on and on and on, right? Now, there are some things that we're not quite sure about. We're not quite sure what exactly is God doing here. Okay, our job there is to go to God with our heart's desire and ask him to shape our heart. Okay, John Knight. What do you think he prays for his son? Well, I bet he prays for healing, don't you? I bet he does. If I remember the testimony right, his son was born without eyes. Um, man, Jesus healed a blind man in John, John 9, guy blind from birth. I bet John, this John, I bet he prays that. Okay, but I bet he prays it differently than when he prays for patience. Those, those are two of me. We know God's will is for us to have patience. Amen? Okay, do we know that, that everybody is to be healed? We don't know that. Do you remember how Jesus prayed in, in John 14? We'll get to this here in a couple of weeks. Jesus is in the garden. This is Jesus, okay? Listen to him, verse 36. And he said, a Father, all things are possible for you. There he is, tapping into the power of God. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will? What's Jesus praying? He's saying, "God, you know, I know the plan is that I bear the sin and the filth and the the ugliness and the wretchedness of all all humanity, all who will come to come to faith. Lord, is there another way? I know the plan is for me to be separated from you, for me to bear the judgment of God Almighty. Is there? An, I mean, that's the way Jesus prayed, right? And so, so, so that's what we should come to God. Number one, confident, confident of those things we know he wants for us to have and coming to him with our desires and and with open hearts for him to shape them of those things we're not sure what his will is. I know what some of you are going to say. You're going to say, well, man, if God's got his own plan and if he's got his own deal that he's going to do, then why even pray? A couple things. Number one, that's really arrogant. Okay. But number two, God has chosen not to do anything. Well, I think that. Let me back up and say what I'm sure of. God has chosen to do almost everything. How about that? Through the prayers of his people. Okay? So in other words, God's got this will. Okay? It, it's going to happen. Okay? He's going to be glorified. I mean, Christ is going to come back. Okay? New heavens, new earth. It's all coming. Okay? And, and so, so he, he calls Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church, says, guys, I want you to be involved in this. I want your hearts to be changed. I want your marriages to be righteous. I want your children to grow up in the instruction of the Lord. I, I, I want you to be a light for me, okay? And now, to the extent that that happens is the extent that we ask and seek and knock and pray and and, and call out, right? And if we don't pray, it didn't happen. Not through us. Now, it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen through somebody. So does that make sense? So, so there, there's a whole bunch of things that will happen or not happen based on the, the prayers of the saints but God's ultimate will is going on okay so that, that's kind of the way that I think of it in my mind so we need to ask and number 2 we need to ask for the right things okay first john is a clarifying verse to this passage say whenever you take a, a passage like this where Jesus says whatever you ask in prayer believe that you received it and it'll be yours okay whenever you have a verse like that you need to balance it out with 1 John 5 okay 1 John 5 verse 14 says this and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask we know that we have the request that we've asked him what's the key phrase there what's the key phrase there if we ask anything go back to verse 14 Kenny. if we ask anything According to his will. And, and, that, and that key, according to his will. I mean, we, we need to line up with the will of God. Again, my, my heart's desire is not to change the will of God. My heart's desire is to have the will of God. Okay? My heart's desire is to have what Christ has for me. You know why? Verse 22 Have faith in God. What does having faith in God mean? You know what that means? That means Jesus. I believe you're better than anything else. <laughs> I, I believe that you know what's best. I believe that you're eternally wise. I believe that you've got good gifts. I believe you've got a good plan and good gifts for me. I want you. I want what you have. That's fa- having faith in God. And if I have faith in God, then I say, God, I, I want what you have. I, I want what you have to give me. You, what, what you've got is better than anything. Man, has this ever happened to anybody? You ever, you ever come to God in your prayer time? You know you should pray. And so you come kind of, you know, on a, on a regular basis. Do you you ever come and you got to work hard to think of what to pray? Does that ever happen? It does to me, ashamedly. There's times where I come and my mind's all distracted and I don't have anything specific really. You know, that's shameful. You know what's even worse? And I've done this. I've done this and I deeply regret it. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, how can we pray for you? I'm like, I don't know. We're doing pretty good. That's stupid. What? I in the past I've acted before like I don't need anything. Oh man, no. Man, have faith in God. What does that mean? That means I come to the Word of God and I say, Oh, God, what do you want from me? What 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 are you giving me, man? How about wisdom, God? I need it, I need it. I'm lacking, I need wisdom. How about a zeal for the things of God? You told me you wanna give me that. You wanna give me an excitement for the things of God. How about a fervent love for the people of God? Man, I pray that all the time. God, give me a love for your people. How about my, the salvation of my children? How about a thankful heart? How about deliverance from temptation? Power in the pulpit. That I would see the riches of my inheritance in Christ. Last week's sermon. Man, I want a living hope. God, open my eyes to see the glory of Jesus ever clear. How how, how about Ephesians 5? God, help me love my wife. Love Emma as Christ loves the church. Help help me to raise up my children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Help me to be content. God, give me contentment. Give me me a freedom from the love of money. Give Give me an anxious for nothing spirit. God, take away fret. Take away worry. God, give me the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, give me gentleness. Give me meekness. Give me a forbearing spirit. Give me patience. Give me a merciful heart. Give me courage to do the right thing when it's hard and risky. On and on and on and on. Where do we get all those? Right there in the word of God. God has said, this is my will for you. This is what I want from you. So having faith in God means I'm going to ask for those things. Man, how could I say, no, I don't need anything? You got all those? (laughs) I don't think so. God wants wants you to have them. And so when I pray for those things, let me ask you this, folks. When I pray, when I pray, God, give me a love for your people, can I, with all confidence, can I a hundred percent say, God's gonna give that? Can I? I think I can. I think I should. Whenever I pray, God, give me love for your people. God, I want it. God, stir my heart to love your people. I can be 100% confident that God is going to work that in me. He's going to do that in me. It's, it's going to take some time. He's going to work in different ways. But he's gonna, if I ask for that relentlessly, God's going to give it. If I ask for, for mercy, God's going to give it. If I ask for, for, for the ability to love my wife as Christ loves the church, and I am on my knees pleading and praying, is God going to give me that? He will. sure. Now, if I ask God, a red Ferrari would be really beneficial for the ministry. Is God going to give it? Maybe. Maybe. Don't be shaking no, maybe. I said maybe. (laughs) Maybe in his divine plan, somehow it would be. Maybe there's a Ferrari People in Woodward that are not being reached by anyone and I'd be able to do that. Probably not. Okay. But again, that's something that if I really, if that God lays out on my heart, what should I do? I should take it to him, but I should take it to him realizing it doesn't say that I will have that in the scripture. In fact, it says a lot of things that maybe I won't. And so I need to pray, not my will, but yours be done. Right. You see the difference there? Now, point number 3, if you're taking notes, we need to ask with our heart in the right place. Okay? Now, here's the scary thing, okay? Here's the scary thing. There are things that will hinder your prayer life, okay? So, you got this massive amount of power in in God the Father, okay? Power that you need, power for all that the good things in your life, okay? However, however, it's access through prayer. And Jesus says very specifically here, there are certain things that will keep you from praying effectively. One of them is doubt. Look in verse 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. James talks about a double-minded man. I think he helps us out here in interpreting this passage. In James chapter 1, talks about a double-minded man. Let's, let's, let's just read this passage. Start in verse 2. Count all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's just what, it's just what Jesus said, right? Is wisdom something that God has said, I want you to have it? Yes, it is. Should I ask in faith? Yes, I should. Should I ask with confidence that God will give? Yes. Okay, but notice what it says. Verse 6 But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Okay, if I come to God and I say, God, I need wisdom, I have this trial. I have this struggle. I have this difficulty in my life. And God, I need you to show me. But let's say that I, I come to God, but here's what's in my heart. I don't think you will, God. You've let me down in the past, and you're probably going to let me down again. You know, and God, you you gave me this hard thing in my life. And you, John Knight, he he, he did actually pray, you know, at the beginning. God, you've, you've, you've messed it all up. God, you're cruel. You're, you're, you're a brutal God. I don't even know why I'm coming to you because... You're probably not going to give it, but hey, I'll just go ahead and take a shot. God, give me wisdom. Okay, he's got to give me an answer to that. Now, God can do whatever he wants, but he has told us in his word that doubting him, that, that coming to God, doubting his character, doubting who he is, doubting his power, that that's a hindrance to our prayer life. Sin in general. We have to be real careful here. Sin in general will hinder your prayer life. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't mean sin in your past. Okay? Folks, isn't it glorious that if we come to Jesus, He forgives our sin. He takes it away as far as the east is from the west. is taken away. So that sin's gone. But if we come to God asking for His riches with one hand open... And in the other hand, we got our idol. Or in the other hand, we have our sin that we won't let go of. We're not coming in faith. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You see, we we can't come to God in faith and not faith. How how do you do that? That's called a double-minded man. That's just what James talked about. How do you come to God saying, God, I, I trust you for for my marriage, but I don't trust you with my business. God, I, I trust you with my kids, but I don't trust you with my other relationships. God, I know you want me to do this thing. I know you want me to, to, to do whatever, but I ain't doing it. Oh, God, please get, I mean, how do you do that? You either trust him or you don't, right? I mean, it's not, it's not selective trust. God, here's the things I trust you in. Here's the things I just don't think you got right, okay? You can't come to God that way. Now, here's what's interesting. That's a, that's a, generally, that's a general true statement of Scripture. But Jesus emphasizes one particular sin above the others. Not, not, not that it's worse, but here's what I think. It's more prevalent. Notice the sin that he mentions. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who's in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Why does Jesus say, you know, hey, all the power of God is up here. It's it's, it's in God. It's in the Father. He's willing to give it. He wants to give it. Come to him in prayer. But as you come, make sure that when you come, you're not holding a grudge. Make sure when you come, you don't have unforgiveness in your heart. Why does he mention that? You know why I think he mentions that? I think he mentions that because we struggle with it a lot. People people are always saying, man, Pastor, I don't want to pray in public because I'm afraid I'll say the wrong words. I'm I'm afraid I won't sound right. I'm afraid, you know, I'll say something silly. Listen, you don't have to worry about that at all, okay? God knows your heart. God knows your heart. He knows what you're saying. You ever seen those little kids? They'll come up to their mom and dad. They're about two years old and they come up to their mom and they're like, and you're going, their mom's like, yeah, you can go play and get a cracker if you want, you know. It's like, man, just... that's parent. okay? You can blow it in your, in your vocabulary. That's fine. God knows what. But listen, you come and pray, and at the same time, you got a grudge that you won't let go of? Didn't do any good. The empty words. Why, why is that? Why is, why is God, why does he mention this one particularly? You, you, know, you know why I think so? I, I think first of all, because whenever we come to God in prayer, we are coming asking for grace and mercy. Is that true? Is that true? Hebrews four sixteen. let us come to the throne of God. And receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Every time you come to God, every time you come to God, you come not deserving it, not deserving it. You, you, you come a sinner. And Jesus has cleansed you and forgiven you and saved you. And so you, you come to God through the forgiveness and mercy and grace of Jesus. And so how do we do that? How do we come to God through mercy and through forgiveness and through grace? All the time dragging our unforgiveness and our unmerciful spirit and our ungraciousness toward others. How do we do that? Remember Matthew Matthew 18? Man, that, that's, a, that's the strongest passage in the Bible about this very thing. Where the guy gets forgiven the trillions of dollars, and his, his buddy owes him 10 bucks. And he's down there at the bottom of the steps, choking his buddies. Give me the 10 bucks, you wretch! The king's like, Whoa, what's the deal here? I just forgave you a trillion, and you can't forgive 10 bucks? You remember what he does? Throws him into the tortures. Says, You'll not you'll not get out until you pay the last dime. Whew. That ought to cause a little bit of disturbance in your soul. When we're come asking for mercy and grace, we better be willing to give mercy and grace. Now, one last thing. I was tempted to leave that right there. But what I've seen is that people in the church often are experts at giving false forgiveness. You know what that is? That's church smile. Cocked head. Nice. I've forgiven them. What does that really mean? That means I hate him on the inside, and I ain't ever being nice to him. I don't want to be in the same service with him. When I see him at the grocery store, I'm going the other way. I'm going to be cold as ice. And if I have a chance to hurt him behind your back, I'm going to. But I forgive him. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, here's the definition, I believe. One of the best ones in the Bible of forgiveness. Paul's urging the church to forgive this man. Here's what he tells them to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. For since you this punishment by the majority is enough. Number one, when you forgive somebody, you stop punishing them. Verse seven, you should turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Number two, you don't want him to hurt anymore. Number three, verse eight, so I beg you, reaffirm your love for him. That's forgiveness. Okay? Anything short of that, you're just playing games and God knows. Now, is it going to look different in someone who's unrepentant than someone who's repentant? Absolutely. Absolutely. I get that. Some of you are going to say, man, this person, they're, they're trying to hurt me every day. Okay. You're, you're probably not going to be reconciled. True. True. Okay. But you can change your heart toward them. Right? You can, so that, that part can be right. Now, will your relationship be right until they repent? Probably not. But you can be right in your heart. I, I've, I've done it. I, 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 you can you can let go and say, God, I, I just hand it to you. I put it over you, Lord. I ain't going to punish them. I'm, my heart's going to be right. I'm going to extend the hand of reconciliation, whether it happens or not. I don't know. It's up to you. It's up to them. We got it's off me. And it's off me, listen, it's off me because I don't want anything hindering the power of God flowing into my life. That's huge, folks. Is it not Huge. I don't want anything hindering that. I don't want anything getting in the way of that. Not sin. And not particularly sin against others. So here's what I I want you to do. I want you to stand. And we're going to pray. Okay? Now you notice I said we are going to pray. Okay? We're not all going to pray out loud. I'm going to pray out loud. You're going to pray in your heart. Okay? But I, I want you to pray. I want you to pray to the Lord, and I want you to get these things right, okay? Let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that all power is available to us, Lord, for the impossible situations in our life. And Lord, right now, I just pray that throughout this auditorium, God, that you would, you would just bring to mind the impossible situations in, in people's lives. Lord, I pray that they would be lifting them up to you. Lord, I know some are probably lifting up to your relationships, some are lifting up maybe financial things, some are lifting up maybe their lack of patience, their, their their struggle with with pride, maybe some are lifting up a struggle with lust or a struggle with anger or a struggle with covetousness. God, I just pray that as these things are lifted up, Lord, we come to you and we we grab on to your will, Lord, that it's, it's your will that we be a certain kind of person. And God, we know that, that we, want, we want that, we, we need that. So, Lord, we're asking you, God, we're, we're pleading with you to give that to us today. Lord, we trust that you will. God, we trust that as we ask for wisdom, as we ask for patience or gentleness or meekness or self-control or, or a peace, God, that you, you'll be faithful to give it, God. And we're going to keep asking until, until it comes, Lord. We know at times it takes time. We know you work through in various ways. And so, Lord, we will relentlessly come to you for this thing. But, God, we don't want there to be anything in the way. And so, Lord, right now, God, if, there, if, there, if there's things in our heart, God, if there's sin we're holding on to, God, just pry it loose from our hands. God, bring repentance right now this morning. Lord, if there's, if there's relationships that are broken, God, if there's anger in hearts, if there's unforgiveness, God, I pray that, that now, Lord, it would be thrust away from us. God, that we would let go of it, that we would trust you, that we would have faith in God. And, Lord, that there would be nothing between us and you. Because we want to receive all that you have for us. So, Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.